0: Father God, who loves us both as mother and father, we come asking you to teach us to pray. Guide us as we navigate this world. We pray that you will show us through prayer how to bring light to chaos and bring justice where there's no peace. Amen. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues, and on the corners of the street, that they may be seen by men. Surely, I say to you, they have their rewards. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in, sec- who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret shall reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray our father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Amen. The word of God for the people of God and thanks be to our God. I remember uh, as if it was yesterday when my girls were younger Uh, The oldest, Layla, was in about the fourth grade, fifth grade, and Lauren, who was the youngest, was in first grade. And I remember I would sit them down uh, during this time when they would receive their progress report to discuss with them uh, the importance of making good grades and developing good study habits and work ethic when it comes to their schoolwork, because I wanted them to know the importance of education in their lives. So, I would sit them down and go over their grades with them one grade at a time so that they would know how they were doing in school to make certain that no low grades um, uh, were welcome. So, they would make certain that they know no low grades were not welcome in our home. And we would sit down to see if there would be rejoicing or discipline. And I sat down with the oldest, much like back then, she had a few A's and B's and one or two C's that we still can't see eye to eye on. And, 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 and she would tell me, and I would tell her, and she would tell you that C's are not welcome in our house. And the youngest daughter, excited about her grade after I sat down with the oldest, wanted to know how many A's and B's did she get. So I tried to explain to her that she was just in the first grade and that she didn't get leather grades. She got number grades to tell us about her progress. And I explained to her that either she will get a four, three to or one to let us know how she was progressing. And, and, and in case you don't know what that means, because it might have been a while since you've seen a four, three, two, or 1 on the report card. A 4 means that you are way above expectation. A 3 means that you have exceeded what has been expected. A 2 means that you are right at grade level. And a 1 means that you need some improvement. Okay, so that we all understand, a 4 means that you're over the top. A three means that you have exceeded expectation. A two means that you are right where they desire you to be at that time. But a one means that you need improvement. And we read through her grades. I told her she had a few fours, a lot of threes, and she had a one, two. And she asked me if she had any ones on her progress report. And I told her no, and she began to dance because she knew that she didn't need any improvement. She was satisfied with her grades. And my brothers and sisters, we are in the sixth month of this year, the halfway point, and and, and we are getting ready to get our progress reported, and and your grade with God had just come back, and I wonder, what did you get? What grade did you get in evangelism? How many people did you share the glorious news of Christ with? What grade did you get in stewardship? How was your giving? And, And most importantly, what grade did you get in the social dimensions of life? Did you love your brother and your sister as yourself? Did, 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 did you fight for someone else's right and justice? Did you, love your, did you love others like you love yourself? Did you wear your mask to cover, to, to, to stop and slow down the spread of COVID-19? Or did you think it was nonsense and went with masks off? Did you love your enemies? Did you you kneel in silent protest for the injustices? And, and, And now I didn't look at your grade, but I got news. Some of us may have some fours here and there, may have a few threes here and there. But I can almost guarantee you that all of us got one area that God said needs improvement in all of our lives, and that's our prayer life. I know that this virus and social injustice and upheaval has caused many of us to pray more in these past few weeks and months. And no matter how much better you pray in June than you did in January, I believe as God looks over all of us and declare from pulpit to pew to to, to living room couch or, or to your study or your dinner, wherever you may be watching this broadcast, all of us can stand to improve in our prayer life. And, 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 and the truth is that if we can ever get a four in prayer, it would help increase our grades in the other areas of life. With all the stuff going on in the world right now, with all the chaos taking place right now, the one thing you and I ought to set ourselves to do better at starting right now is how often and how deeply we connect with God in prayer. Because, one, because the one thing that you need to do better today than you did yesterday is learn how to call on the name of the Lord. And I promise you this with a money-back guarantee. The more you pray, the better your life will be and the better the world will be. I come to tell you, and I can't promise you, that you won't get sick. But I, I, but I can promise you that prayer will hold you together while you're sick. I can't promise you that you won't have trouble, but I can promise you that prayer will keep you from being troubled while you're having trouble. I can't promise you that you won't have enemies, but I can promise you that prayer will allow you to lay your head down at night. Prayer will allow you to love your enemy. Fret not yourself for evildoer, because prayer will always make your life better. And I, I can't promise you that prayer will bring us the peace and justice we need, but prayer will give you the peace that surpasses understanding till God rolls down his justice. So in our text, Jesus telling the disciples, or, or the disciples asked Jesus, that we don't want to get a one in prayer. So Jesus, teach them how to pray. Jesus making the disciples, taking them down a, a new path and teaching them about things they should already have done before. And, and whenever you pray, he say, do this and not that. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrite. Jesus uses the hypocrite he, 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 because the hypocrite has a way of prayer as performance. That when they get up to pray, it starts out like a prayer but turns into a sermon, turns turns to some agenda. And, and, and when you are secretly trying to get back at somebody, it's grandstanding. Because when you pray as performance, you are the star and the center of attention in your prayer. And when you are the star of your prayer, we call that idolatry. Because there is only one lead in prayer. And the same and, and that lead person is the omnipotent, unpresent, merciful, loving God, God is, is, is the only one who gets the lead in prayer, because your God should always be leading us to prayer, and therefore we can arrive at the right destination. And in a world where everybody is praying and we wonder why we are in so many different destinations, I challenge you today to see are your prayers centered with God as the focus point and not ourselves. Second thing, Jesus tells us not to pray like those who have beautiful crafted prayers and those lovely phrases and all those cliches. I mean, their prayers are a work of art. What Jesus is teaching us, no matter how beautiful those words are, if they're not directed to God, they're irrelevant. And we see that playing out on the larger scale of life. That just because we all come in the name of God and we all seek justice in God's name, sometimes our words are irrelevant because our action does not match the words. So Jesus shows us how to pray effectively by giving them a model prayer. Because like like in Jesus' day, they were surrounded by prayer. I mean, everybody was praying. But Jesus wanted to make sure that the disciples get a forward prayer. And he begins to pray. And he he tells us to go in our secret closet. And that's important because the closet, uh, the text I read said room is dark. Because sometimes the most significant prayer is what do you do in the darkness and silence of your own life? And I should know because I, as I look at the protests, I experience that every day. Looking at myself being a a black male who grown up in Memphis and knowing my, my excursion with law enforcement and those in power. And there's a hatred and a anger when I see what I see because I know what I have witnessed and felt but it's in those dark moments where there's no one but me and God that he can direct my heart in the right place to show me a better way and 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 so Jesus used this open phrase say our father which is revolutionary because the most important thing and i want to begin because this prayer has two parts and it speaks about the heavenly kingdom and the second has focus on earthly concern because but like most things in life i want to begin our focus point at that first prayer at first phrase because most things in life begins at the first step and the open phrase is our father who art in heaven and that phrase is revolutionary, our father who art in heaven, because this is the only place in the Bible where our father is used in the Bible to refer to God. There are plenty of places that says father, and, and, and Jesus often refers to him as my father. And sometimes we see our father Abraham, but here he, we get father referring to God. In this place where we have, uh, in this place, we have Jesus changing the playing field of prayer by simply saying our father who art in heaven. And look at the first part of that phrase. The first part is our father, which begins with a possessive pronoun, and then the noun father, and that means that this is all-inclusive. It doesn't matter about race, creed, or color, that he is our, our father. And when we recognize that, we will learn to treat one another better. And he tells us our father because in what Jesus does, the family unit starts with the father in his day. And so our fundamental social unit begins with family. And so when we say our father, we connect to each other in community, that we are brothers and sisters spawned from the same father. And this relationship is intentional because Jesus wants us to learn to get along together by using the model of relationship. Because in Jesus' time, the father was the head of the household. And he was responsible for the family and every need being met. He was responsible for that property and how it should be divided up. And the father was the authoritarian one. And what Jesus said that we get, and he said, when we say our father, we, and he realized that we are influenced by the father's action. And if our actions don't match the father's action, maybe we are praying to the wrong father. We develop the same interests that the father have. And, and, and one of the things that this text shows us is that the father will listen to his sons and daughters. And maybe the reason we can't listen to one another is because we hadn't listened to God. And, and, and it shows us that God makes one-on-one time for us. And, and it shows us that he focused on the spiritual elements. But let me give a word of caution. By using the word father, Jesus is saying this is a doorway and not a destination. God is our father, which always, when you read the Bible, it should come with a parenthesis statement saying that there's more to come. Because there's some people who get hung up on the word father. Because we have, we, we have, not only do we have a spiritual father, we have an earthly father. And some of us, the word father presents a big problem. Because father means trauma, abandonment, disappointment, hurt. Because not all earthly fathers have been good fathers. And when people hear the word father, they can't go any farther unless you remind them that Jesus given us not a destination, but a doorway of opportunity to connect and love others better. And as I look to close and as other ministers will uh, to follow in the Presbytery, uh, Mid-South Presbytery will take us further through this model prayer. I'm reminded of something. My daughter asked me once, how do she know prayer will work? And that was a strong statement coming from a kid. And, And I explained to her, I know it will work. And I told her because I read the Bible and I trust God. And she said, daddy, that's not enough. And so I remember telling her, I I took her down to the basement where we had all the boxing gear, and I showed her a fight that happened in 1974. And it was called the Rumble in the Jungle. And I told her, the reason I know prayer will work because I realized this fight has shown your dad something through the years. And if you don't know what Rumble in the Jungle is, it was the fight between Muhammad Ali and George Foreman. And that year, something strange had happened because in 1960. Eight, Ali had been stripped of the title because he protested against the Vietnam War. And Foreman, who had won the gold medal in, in the Olympics, and, and he was considered the big bad person on the block. And I remember watching that fight, and Ali introduced something called the rope-a-dope. And what he would do every time Foreman would hit him, he would say, is that all you got? And by the eight round, Foreman was tired. And Ali knew this, and Ali began to lift a barrage of punches. And Foreman failed not once, not twice, but four times. And and the fight was declared TKO. And she said, Daddy, I don't understand. How does that prove to me prayer works?" And I told her, this is the only time in boxing history that a former champion didn't get a rematch. And I told him the reason he didn't get a rematch is because when Ali was interviewed later, he said that I didn't need to give him a a rematch because I beat him so bad the first time that I didn't need a rematch to do it again. And what I explained to her, that on a hill called Cavern, far away when Jesus said, Father, in thy hand, I commend my spirit. What he was saying that I have beat all the ills once and for all. And if you talk to the Father, he has the answer because prayer will work and our church know that better than any the confession of 1967 where the church had been entrusted with the message of God for reconciliation and and to labor in the healing of the divides of the world that, that separate men from God and from each other and the Confession of 67 goes on to say that, 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 that the church will, will work together and, and, and affirm all races of equality of men and brothers in Christ and condone those who patronize anything else. And that's what Jesus is telling us in the open phrase of this text. Our Father, that it's a collective effort. That no matter how you protest, whether silently or with your feet or with prayer, Realize that we're all guided and directed by the God of heaven. May God bless you and may God keep you.